just wanted to introduce him proper, just add before he goes away so that we don't wonder who this guy is. <laughs> so um, you, you can actually do, do a better job at it. I don't know if you're going to share some of your stories. But we, we were just chatting now before, and so he's from Wooster, um, part of the church there. And um, we met the weekend at the camp where I got disciplined. <laughs> like, he, he was there that night. And he just shared now that that was actually that uh, the way that Andrew dealt with it was the reason that they became part of 412 uh, that weekend. So I said to him, I didn't know if I was ever going to see this guy again after the bunch of stuff that came out that weekend when we were together. Um, but it's actually uh, really precious to have him together here um, with us. And um, he's a real gift. So Kim and Andrew has asked him to go around to all the different congregations to, to preach there every Sunday. So you're booked out till the end of the year at least. And he's still not going to get to every congregation, which is nuts. So, so we're really happy to have him. And I do want to I do want to encourage us with this. I um, just in preparation. I, th- I didn't. I wasn't part of the pre meeting, but I want to echo those words of the open heart surgery. And I actually also think it's quite unique for us because I know all of us that's here today. I know that we love God. I know that we follow God. I know that we even the songs that came out now. I didn't prep all of that, but songs like I'll, I'll "Forever I Love You" and "Forever I'll Stand" and "I'll Worship You Until the Very End." And I want to say that we need God to, to stir us, something within us today that we can do that till the end. Um, I think sometimes we sing these songs so nonchalant that we're like, yeah, I'll stand and you're my best friend. And like, then we do mess up. And, um, and I, I really want, to, I want us to open our hearts. I think something that's going to share with us today and as the Lord can come and cut us, that it can cause us to, to stand till the end. Does that make sense? So I'm really expecting, Bruce, so Roy, all these guys are saved. They love God. And so lead us with what you, what you feel for us, and let's go for it. All right. Cool. I'm glad you think they're all saved. You might <laughs> change your mind afterwards. <laughs> well, it's good for myself and Azalea to be here. And, and that's all we do. We, we don't come to put up a show or to do anything. I just share the word. My dad... Uh, Raised me to love the word. Um, he didn't leave me with much else. He passed away when I was 18, but he left me with a love for the word. And so when I gave my scriptures, um, what's your name again? Sorry. Okay, Murphy, Murphy he makes the laws, yeah. Um, <laughs> he said to me, but he's only got the King James. And I'm like, Cool, bro, because uh, I grew up on the King James, on the thee and thou and wilt and wow. Um, so, <laughs> so, so as a 13-year-old, I would sit on the bed with my dad, and I would read the King James to him and share what I saw, and then he would ask me questions to, to, to just prompt me to go further. And so I've been preaching since the age of 13 um, with my dad. Uh, he start, he would, I would open the meetings for him. We would have evening services and... I would open the service and, and preach my best 15-minute sermon, and then he would come along. And that went on like that until I was about 16, and then he got throat cancer, and he could hardly speak. And since that day, since, I'm not sure exactly when, but I was about 16, um, we had this big meeting in, in Athlone, and that day, uh, before the meeting started, he just said to me, follow my lead. And I'm like, okay, but I normally follow your lead, but this is going to be different. So when it came to 7 o'clock that evening, he got up, he opened the meeting, and he said, as from tonight, my son will do the preaching. And from then until I was 18, he opened every service where I preached. And it was just the most amazing handover. 
And like, like I say, he was a very ordinary man, but he was an extraordinary father. Gave me a love for the word. And that's why I'm here today, um, just to share his word. So we're going to just read two verses in Hebrews chapter 12. And uh, if you have your Bible, turn to that. If you don't have, please look on the screen. I just There's two things that I love. V8 engines and the rustling of Bible pages. And this one is the one I love more. So, so I'm just a page guy. I just love pages, you know. Um, so, so, but feel free to follow me there if you can see that. Okay. <clears throat> Hebrews 12, verse 1. And I think this is so well known, you might know it by heart. Okay, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which which clings to us so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, or as the old King James will say, endureth. <laughs> he endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And, and I believe God will bless the public reading of His Word. What I'd like to speak to you about is finishing strong. Because often races are lost in the last five meters before the line. So not, not just finishing strong, but having a concept that where we are today, where we... Where we are in terms of the existence of mankind. I believe that we are on the final lap of this race that we're in. It's just the time that we're in, it's so clear. We're on the final lap. And just while the Olympics started, I saw a clip of a lady. She had an orange top on a young girl. They pulled away for the 800 meters. And on that first stretch, somebody tripped her. She fell, and she got up, and she ran the race of her life, and she won. You see, that was in the first lap she fell. But she didn't give up. She got up, and she ran. It was what happened on the last lap that mattered. And some of us might be sitting here, and we have fallen somewhere on one of our previous laps. I actually want to say... It doesn't really matter how you ran the other laps. You could have just kept pace. You could have just kept in touch with the other runners. But when you take the bell, when you hear that bell go, it's how you run then that matters. So you might feel, like you said, that you might have done something that has disqualified you. Something that might put you in a position where you don't feel like you can win. But it's how you're going to run the final lap. You know, there are people that, I mean, I think of, of um, Ilana Meyer. Now I'm giving away my age. Right? I'm giving away my age. Ilana Meyer was our best long-distance athlete. I mean, she was everybody's hero. And then at the Olympics, she's ahead. She takes the bell first, and she didn't win. Why? Because somebody else ran their best final lap. She ran her best race up till then. 
But Durante Tulu came past her and broke all our hearts because we wanted Ilana to win. So it doesn't matter who takes the bell first. It's how you run the final lap that matters. And God is calling each one of us to run your best lap now. So I'm going to just look at these two scriptures and, and try and encourage us from there um, into how we should run this race for God. So the writer to the Hebrews makes a compelling argument. I mean, if ever I'm in trouble, I want this guy to be my lawyer. He just has a way of, of saying things. So he starts off verse 12 by saying, therefore. Now my dad, as I said, when I learned how to preach, he would say to me, when you get to the word therefore, you've got to find, and my dad was, I mean, limited in his English, but this was his explanation. He would say, find out wherefore it's therefore. And when you find the word wherefore in Scripture, especially in the old King James, go and look for the therefore, it's wherefore. You know, if you do that, you will never take Scripture out of context. So the therefore means, the therefore, the argument that the writer is putting down to us is this. He says, look at chapter 11. The hall of faith. Abram, Abel, Sarah, everybody who's mentioned there who lived their lives and sacrificed everything. And then there are people like Samson and David, Barak, who, whose names can't even be mentioned because according to the writer, there's not enough time and space to put their names in there. And these, Samson, all these guys are there, but they're not, it's not explained what they did because there's not enough space and time. And these are men that has done greater things that we could ever dream of doing. And he's saying, look at them, therefore, because they sacrificed their lives. They, they were prepared to be submitted to whatever God called them to. They never thought any calling to be too high or to be too difficult. Therefore, I want you to do the same, to have the same heart attitude. He's also saying, take note of verse 40 of chapter 11. It says, since God has provided something better for us than what they had. So he's saying that greater men has been asked to lay down their lives for God. Greater men than us. And he says to us, we even have a greater promise than what they have. So therefore, we have no reason not to respond to what he's about to ask us. Now, Another way of giving away my age is we had a boxer when I was, okay, not little, but younger. I'm still little. Um, we had a boxer called Dingo Antibella. No? Okay, so we're about the same age. <laughs> Shouldn't do that. <laughs> Dingo Antibella. You know what made Dingo Antibella great? He had the ability, when he boxed, he had long arms, but he didn't, he didn't use his reach. He would put his front foot between the feet of his opponent and from there throw his punch. He would set up the punch with a powerful position. And then whatever punch he threw, if it be an uppercut, if it be an over-the-top right, he would knock that guy out. Why? Because he set himself up for the next shot. And this is what this writer is doing. 
with that first line, he is setting us up as believers, and we have got no place to hide. He's saying, I want you to see this, and after I've, made, I've set you up, I'm going to knock you over, and you've got, you've got no argument. So he says this, he says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, he's saying that they did it. If they could do it, you have no excuse. You have no excuse but to complete your race and to run flat out to finish strong because they did it. When he uses the word since, he's saying in the light of, and I've, I've, I've really worked hard at getting all the C's sorted out. So if you didn't notice, my name is Clarence. I even got it right there. I even got a C there. Right? So, so this part where he says, since we have this great cloud of wisdom, he's asking you to consider your conduct. Now, we all saved. We, we heard that. But that doesn't mean that our conduct is always right. You can be saved, and you could still have suspect conduct. So God wants to do open-heart surgery today and deal with your conduct. And when we looked at what people had to go through, how their lives have been impacted by their calling in chapter 11, then we have to consider our conduct. Because there's no ways, there's no ways that I can confess to be a believer here but when I'm out there, I live like I'm the biggest heathen. People might not even recognize that you're born again. So he's saying to us, consider. But it's more than just consider your life. It's consider their lives. Now, I don't know where you stand. It doesn't matter where you stand in lives that matter. But, but their lives mattered. These guys that in chapter 11, their lives matter. And it says in the, in the last line of chapter 11, as we go into chapter 12, it says that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. What it's saying is that we should look at where we're at as, you know, like a four by 400 meter relay. They ran the first leg. And so we, we were ahead. We're winning. And they ever took the second leg, ran even better, and we're winning. And we ever took the, the baton the third time, ran the third leg, and we're on world record time. But now the baton is in our hands. We decide. If we finish, if we get the world record, or if we just give up. And you know what? In a relay, if the last person gives up, it doesn't matter how well the other guys ran. And he's saying, consider how they ran and respect their sacrifice. And then you run your best final lap in honor of what they, the foundation they have laid for us. So guys, it's not just about our lives. It's not just about how I feel, should I serve God, and how I should lay down my life, and <clears throat> sorry, is this call too big for me, or are you expecting me to be here too often? It's not about that. Greater men than us has laid down their lives, they've given their lives, and God has given us the new covenant, the greater, the greater thing He's given to us, the greater promise He's given to us, 
And therefore, he has just set us up. We have no reason. We have no excuse. We have no counter. We have no rebuttal to his argument. Because other people have been asked to do it, and they did it. And all the reasons we've, all the excuses we have come up with why it's not convenient for me right now to serve God the way he wants me to serve him are null and void. We have no reason. Thirdly, he, he, it's like he just can't say this thing once. He, he adds to it. So it's like, remember those in chapter 11? It says, look at the light of their lives. And then thirdly, it says, we are surrounded by these witnesses. So, so the surrounding of the witnesses shows us the magnitude of the evidence. It's not just one or two witnesses. He's not just referring to Moses or to Abraham and say, look at their lives, and then you compare, you consider your life. He's actually saying we are surrounded by witnesses. We are surrounded by evidence of the purpose of God. He's saying that, if you look at that, it, it's a cloud of witnesses. You can't emphasize it more. What he's saying is the grandstand is full. Now you run. He's saying you're at the Olympics, the biggest stage of all. All these witnesses are there. And he's asking us to run a race with endurance. He's asking us to finish strong. He's also throwing in a hint of eternal life there. Because in order, in order for these guys who have died to be witnesses, eternal life has to be reality. Right? So they are our witnesses, but, but here's the difference. They are not just witnesses. They are guys, I mean, if you watched the, the rugby yesterday, um, there's this one try that the Springboks scored from a line-out, but it was a mall that they started just pushing through. They're the guys that was in front of the mall. They did the jumping, they got the ball, and now they, and you the, 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 the hooker with a ball under the arm, and you just hang out there. You're going to score, right? You're going to do the whole whatever, right? I don't know what that means, but you're going to do that, but they did the hard work. Now, this is the same thing, is that, is that you've got the ball. You still need to push over the line and score. They went before us. They are not just witnesses. They're entitled. They, they, there's a, they, they have an in, a, a interest in watching what you're doing because they've done the hard work. So they've got a, a, a vested interest in what we are doing now, but they also have a legal interest, if I can put it that way, because a witness is not only somebody who's, who's looking at what you're doing. He could, would then be a spectator, if that's all he is. But he's a witness. Now, on a legal document, what does a witness do? A witness signs with you that this is legally the way it should be. And they have signed the document with their blood. They are legal witnesses as well. They've laid down their lives. They signed in blood that we are with you. So we, are not, we can't just say, I don't feel today like running my race. Because I've got a commitment not just to my local assembly, to my local fellowship. I've got a commitment to everybody who, was, who partook in this race to get us here. And we need to bring this to the grand finale. 
And if we read in Revelation, we win. You don't have to worry about that. We win. But we still have to run. And some of us, although we save, although we have the baton in the hand, at times we feel like giving up. As ek kan nie meer, meneer. Ek kan nie meer. Koperaal. Kan nie meer. Eh? Some of us are there. And God is saying, we need to run with endurance. Now, I don't know. I thought it was just in Booster that this watch ran fast, but apparently it's here as well. And then he, 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 he says exactly what I've, what I've said. He says, I've given you all, I've made my point. I've given you all my reasoning. They have done it. They've got it in it, they got in it right. And I'm saying, let us also. Let us they have, let us also. And that means that we, if we think of, of how some of these people died, being, serving God, then we have no excuse. Being locked up because we preach the gospel is nothing in comparison with what they went through. And so often, so often I listen to people and they fear. They fear what's about to happen. But if you read Revelation, it's just prophecy that's being fulfilled. And we fear because we're looking in the wrong direction. If you think about the disciples, on the Saturday, Jesus was crucified on the Friday. On the Saturday, they were scared and depressed. You know why? Because they were looking back at Friday. They weren't looking ahead at Sunday. He said, I will rise again. They just looked back at his death. They did not look ahead at his resurrection. And often we find ourselves there. We're looking back and we're saying this is hard. COVID is difficult. And that's all true. But if we look ahead, Jesus is coming to fetch his bride. Everything else pales into insignificance compared to that. Let us also so what he's saying, what he's saying is if you look at all the evidence, what God has called us, the race that we are called to run, it's doable. But you must run. We can't just sit back and say it's doable. It's doable. But we have to run the race. I can already say I'm not going to get through everything, but that's okay. That's, that's the introduction. Okay. Is it? Is it? Do you have some time? Because that was the introduction. I haven't actually got to, to what I want to speak about. <laughs> okay, good. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> now, but I, I, will not, I will not test his concentration so long. <laughs> so what, what are we looking at here? What's the kind, what, what do we need to do? Let us also. I want you to, to see that. Let us also, so, so there's this thing about, if you look at the, the, the prodigal son, he sat amongst the pigs and he said, in my father's house, there's plenty. That means nothing until he says, I will arise and go. See, you don't get to eat what's in dad's house until you arise and go. And, and we, we, we do not gain anything by recognizing the hard work of our predecessors. It's let us 
also. So I just want to look at that. What does that mean? What do we have to do? What's the let us also? Number one, it says, well, it's actually, uh, do you guys know about the Daniel fast? Now, now this is the Hebrew weight loss program. He says, set aside every weight. <laughs> so, so you can follow the Hebrew weight loss program. I actually, in my studies, as I, I watch, I, I actually think that, that we make, society makes a mistake to, to want women thin. That's absolute unbiblical. It's also not good. It's, it's not good. And I can prove it. I can prove it, eh? I can prove it because it's also not good to be too overweight because, because Saul, when he came to a certain town, he said, he said to his, work, uh, his, his army, go and fetch me a medium. <laughs> and I think we should take that biblical standard. We should take that right through. Let me get some water. <laughs> so here's what let us also looks like. He says, he says, um, lay aside every weight. What he's saying is, cut every constraint. There are things we can be saved, but we look like Gulliver with all these little strings in us. Any one of those strings cannot contain us, but it's the magnitude of the strings. It's the amount of strings that renders us immovable, of no use to the kingdom. So he's saying, cut every one of them. Cut them. Sever them. Because, as I said, you can't just make the decision and say, oh, this is good. Maybe I should. No, it's, it's decision plus action brings change. Just deciding to change does not bring change. It's decision plus action. It's when you do, it's when you let us if you become part of the solving the problem, then change comes. And I, if I'm praying for anything, the verdict that I'm praying for is that you will walk out of here and say, let us, let me become part of the solution. Let me become part of the advancing of the kingdom. I mean, I'm always reminded of the mouse and the elephant that walked over a wooden bridge. When they got to the other side, the mouse said, sure, we really made that bridge shake, eh? Let us, let us shake the bridges. The, the second thing is that we need to focus on is we've got to cut every weight. Do you realize that Christians have pet sins and some of them is unbelief and unforgiveness? You see, we, we cover the, the exterior stuff. We don't, we don't, we don't um, rob banks, I hope not. Um, we don't murder, we sometimes feel like it. But we don't do it because we believe it. But he's saying, don't just cut what other people can see. Cut 
other people don't see. Because it's visible to God. And therefore, the open heart surgery. So God doesn't really want to deal with, or he wants to, but not today I feel it's not the, the external change. It's inside. I mean, if you think about Andrew, when I look at him, he's got no fat on him. I thought he was healthy. I thought, you know, me, I had a stroke a year ago. I'm worse off than him, and, you know, he's healthy. And then who lands in hospital? Me. No, him. And I'm not joking about it, but you know what? It was the unseen blocked artery that was the problem. And luckily, he didn't require open-heart surgery, but they still had to push a little probe up in him and look and found the blockage and put a stent in so that the, the blood can flow, flow freely again. And maybe, maybe today, as you sit here, there's a blockage of some sort. And nobody can see it from the outside. But before you know it, you're going to pass out. And then everybody will see it. God wants to deal with the blockages in our lives. Cut every, every weight. The picture I have is, is somebody with a backpack going on a long journey. You know, not just a backpack to go to Woolies and just get two yogurts and soda. No, no, I'm talking about a backpack for mountaineering, hiking. And, and you've been carrying that. But that's the weight that God wants you to get rid of. It looks cool because it's in a new K-Way backpack. And, and, and it actually some people look and say, I, had a, I wish I had a pack like that. But the problem is it's the content. And the picture I have is that God is saying to you, don't just empty the backpack. Take it off. That's how severe he wants to deal with the issues today. Take off the backpack. Don't just empty your pockets. He says, cut every weight. There are some weights that we are keen to carry. There are some weights that we are, we are willing to carry because they're not that bad. He says, cut every weight. And then he says, consider the cost. He says, every weight and every sin. Right? Consider the cost of the call. Every way, and why does he distinguish between weight and sin? Because some of the stuff we're carrying, we don't think it's sin. But he wants you to deal with it. There are other issues that we know that is sin, and we still do it. He wants you to deal with that as well. But there are things that you might not have I said it's a pet sin, so you, I mean, we all have our thing that we don't mind so much, you know. And um, if you like a red wine, then, then you know, um, somebody hands you a glass of water, you say, Lord, do it again. <laughs> <laughs> but that's your thing. I mean, I'm not saying drink or don't drink, that's not the issue. We have our own thing that it's okay with us, but you dare not do something else, and then I'll focus on that. And, and the issue is that. We, we, we are often overlooking some, the very thing that's doing the Gulliver trick on us. That's that little piece of string around the ankles 
that make you fall down. God says deal with every sin and every weight. You see, sin and weight, for that matter, uh, and you'll see it along the beachfront, is like a retractable dog leash. Dog leash. That dog thinks it's free until you want it to come back. And you do the moonwalk. Uh (laughs) Because the devil wants you back. So so sin and... uh, it's like a retractable dog, le- dog leash where, where you think you're running free and then suddenly when it matters, you are held back when you are supposed to move forward. And that's why he set you up first and said, look at all them. And now I want you, I want you to consider what God wants to do in your life. You see, often we deal with sin the way the Europeans deal with the big five when they come to South Africa. Have you, have you ever seen, I mean, if you've been in the Kruger or one of those places where, where, where um, other people from other countries come on a tour? You know what? They, they want to jump in the same area where the lions are. They want to take a photo. They open the door because they want to take a photo. And it's like, no, no, be careful, be careful. And, and so they believe that the big five are the most dangerous animals in Africa. So, so they take photos of them. But in reality, more people die of mosquito bites than lion bites. And we deal with sin in that way. We just look at the big five. I didn't do that. But there are little mosquitoes zooming around our heads, ready to take us out. And we're not paying attention to it. We're not dealing with the big five. We are dealing with sin that wants to eliminate us in our race that we have to run. So he's not just putting a couple of words together in a sentence. It's one of the best put together sentences. If you're into language and you're into, 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 into words, this, must, this should make you so excited that you actually say hallelujah for a change. Um, <laughs> because it's just put together so well. So the next thing he does is he says, um, complete the course. It's one thing to start the race, but complete the course. He says, run with endurance. Resist the temptation to quit. I tell you, that's one of the biggest stuff that we need to to, to get our heads around. Because in moments, I mean, it's it's like, I don't know why it is. But, but if I had to walk up to Hannes and smack him as hard, I wouldn't try it though, but if I, if I smacked him as hard as I can, right? And he goes back to his wife tonight and says, she says, hello, I need you to kiss him. No, I don't want to kiss you. Why not? Not glad and smack me. It doesn't make sense, does it? And, 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 and we act the same way. Where, where something happens to us that's not good, but it wasn't God's fault. But we don't want to Kiss him. We don't want to love on him. Because we're upset about something else. We give up. We, we, I promise you, at some way in each one of our lives, we were tempted to quit. And I just want to go a bit deeper. I'm not sure what, what this COVID time holds for you. 
I'm not sure what it holds for your business or for your family. But if a moment comes up in your head where you want to quit on life, resist the temptation to quit. Believers has ended their lives. You know why? Because they're looking towards Friday. They're not looking towards Sunday. We have a living hope. We have a living hope because Jesus is alive. And the circumstances of the earth should not dictate how we feel or how we don't feel. So we're going to run with, in, with endurance, resist the temptation to quit. And then, fifthly, or fourthly, we've got to run the race set before us. Why did he put that in there? Because some of us wants to run somebody else's race. You see, some of us are not prophetic at all. We're slightly more pathetic, but... <laughs> but it's, neither, <laughs> it's neither, neither you're not there. It's, it starts with a P, so I'll give you that one. But some of us want to be prophetic when God has called you to be hospitable. You see, the, the wonder of this is when he speaks of a race, you're not competing against somebody else sitting here. It's you and the race set before you. See, when we think about a race, we think about a St. Bolt and, and four other guys, five other guys, and they race to be first. Now, this race is different. See, some of you are running a 10,000-meter race because God has called you for that. Some of you are running a 10,000 with a steeplechase with hurdles in between. Some of you are running 10,000 meters but in the mountains. Some of you are called to run a 100-meter race. See, I, I, I always tell people, I, I mean, he said I should share a bit about myself. I used to be a 100-meter athlete, and I can remember the first time when I ran a sub-10. It was it was amazing feeling. The old school was there. When I came in under 10 minutes on the 100 meters, <laughs> it was everybody just cheered. <laughs> <laughs> I, I saw that question mark. <laughs> but it's not that kind of race. It's run the race set before you. You know what? You can win the 100 meters. This, the, the spiritual 100 meters in a world record time and it won't mean a thing because you've been called to run the 400 meters. And, and it's, it's run the race set before you. And that race, the course, is set out in the word of God and the prophetic word that you've got and the rhema word of God as he speaks into your life on a daily basis. But for that, your ear needs to be open. So, so do you actually know what course you're running? Are you on the course that you're supposed to run? Because if not, it will mean nothing to cross the finish line. Because he's called each one of us to run the race set before us. Because at the end, there's the reward. There's the crown. Another C, by the way. There's the crown. There's the reward. Now you sit here and you say to me, this is difficult. 
How will I even start? Where do I start? He also gives that answer to us. Looking to Jesus. You see, that's where the answer is. Sometimes we look to our leader, our local leader for promotion. Did he see me? I vacuumed right in front of him today. I hope he saw my hospitality and my, my ability to serve. I mean, I almost bumped him over with a vacuum. I hope he saw that. I dropped the chair on his wife's foot and, I mean, I, because I carried like 20 at a time. And we expect the local leader to give us acknowledgement. But we're not doing it for him. We're doing this. We are called to run the race for audience of one. We're not doing it for anybody else. For us to get the victor's crown, we have to complete the race set before us. We need to keep our eyes on him. And I want to say this again. It might be overwhelming, but it's doable when we look to Jesus. In our worship time, there was a song that we sang uh, about how we look to Jesus, how we look to God. And I want to say to you, we are battling, some of us are battling in our race because we're looking to God with our physical eyes. We are not looking at God with the eyes of our hearts. When we sing, open the eyes of our hearts, Lord. That's where we need to see him. Because sometimes people say, there's a circumstance, uh, maybe somebody's sick or somebody died, and people say, I mean, today, I mean, I wasn't even there because I'm here, so you might say I'm not all there, but um, today the fifth member of my family, in one family, was buried, COVID, in three weeks. Actually all died within the span of two weeks. And you might say, unfair. Because you're looking with your physical eyes. But we can even face that when he's opened the eyes of my heart. And we will see. And, and if I can leave anything with you, it's this. When he says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, he's not talking about your physical eyes. He's talking about spending time in the presence of God, opening up your heart. So that the king of glory may come in. Who for the joy set before him. In other words, how did Jesus get through his most difficult time? The cross. He saw me. He saw you. He had us in his view. And that got him through. The joy set before him. So it's just, it's just right that when, when we are facing our most difficult time, that we should have him in our view. Because he had us in his view. For the joy. He looked beyond the cross. And he saw me. I mean, Azalea had experience of that. She saw me and... <laughs> it was worth it. <laughs> 35 years ago, she saw me. And it was worth it. Guys... The reason why people are not getting through the most difficult time. They're trying to see Jesus with their physical eyes. To see if he's present or not. We've got to open the eyes of our hearts. I'm going to finish off by reading my most favorite 
my, thank you, my most favorite hymn. And it, it, it kind of wraps up everything because it's not, it's not speaking about physical eyes. It's in the spiritual that we look to Jesus. It says, when I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, my riches gain, I count but loss and poor content on all my pride. Forbid it, Lord, that I should boast, save in the death of Christ my God, all the, all the vain things that charm me most, I sacrifice them to his blood. Others have done it, so should we. See from his head, his hands, his feet, sorrow and love flowed mingled down. Did e'er such love and sorrow meet, or thorns composed so rich a crown? With the whole realm of nature mine, that were present far too small. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. Let's finish strong. Run the race set before us. Amen. So, yeah, I don't know. So I felt like I had a lot of heart surgery now. But I almost, I almost wanted Clarence to pray for us and say, like, just the, the spirit that he carries right now, that, that anointing would, would go through us because I think we need the handles. So we've got the knowledge, and he said it now, to walk in that. So let's just open our hearts as he prays for us and allow God and the spirit of God, because he is the author and perfecter of our faith, to start a work in us. If, if, yeah, if that's you, just stand and Father, our hearts cry right now. Come, Lord Jesus. You are the potter. We are the clay. I pray, Lord God, that you will come and mold us and make us into vessels fit for the Master's use. I pray that where some of the vessels have been cracked, maybe we've been in the oven too long, maybe we've been exposed to the sun too long, whatever the circumstances that has caused the cracking, I pray, Lord God, that we will not be systems that leak, but that we will contain, that you will bring us into a place of wholeness, so that we can contain everything you deposit inside of us. God, we do not want you to, to waste a drop of what it is that you impart into our hearts. And I want to pray, Lord God, on behalf of each one of us, that you forgive us for where we tried to run somebody else's race, for where we gave up and we quit because life seemed too hard. Pray, Lord God, that as we stand before you, that you will hear our hearts say, I surrender all. All to Jesus I surrender. All to him I freely give. I pray, Lord God, as, as our hearts are open, that you will come and do that final cleansing and that you will stitch us up and put us back together again. As we walk out of this place, will be re-energized, refilled, renewed, ready 
to run the race of a lifetime. Come, Lord. Come, Lord. I pray that where some has, where, where someone feels today that they failed. I pray, Lord God, come and bring restoration. Come and cut the weight. I pray, Lord God, where they are battling to cut the, that, to, to sever the ties that bind them. I pray that you step in today and come and cut those ties and set them free. I pray that we will hear the chains falling as people are unshackled in this very moment. And yes, we are all saved, but some of us are still tied down. I pray, Lord God, come and, come and set us free. Bring restoration, Lord. Bring restoration in our hearts. Bring restoration in marriages tonight, this afternoon, Lord. Bring restoration in relationships. Bring restoration in some people's finances. Whatever the need might be, come and restore your people today. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thanks, guy. I just enjoyed being here. Thank you so much for having us. It was so good to have you. Thanks, bro.